This is episode 470 of the AWS podcast, released on September 2, 2021. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of AWS Launch. My name is Nikki, and today I'm joined by two special guests. Peter Imming, who is a PM for Amazon S3. That's right, I said S3. We are talking about S3 today. And Ian McGarry, an SDM for S3. So S3 launched something, right, guys? We did. That's right. We're excited about it. Well, first off, feel free to introduce yourselves. Didn't want to take away your introduction. My name is Ian McGarry. I'm a senior manager for Amazon S3. And... Um, I'm here today to speak about something cool and new we've developed on the S3 side, and we're excited to get into everyone's hands. And I'm Pete Deming. I work on the S3 product management team, and I'm equally excited as Ian to talk about our new multi-region access points with you today, Nikki. Okay, so you, you already dropped it. S3 launched multi-region access points, so can you tell us what that is? What does that mean? Sure. Really, for the last 15 years, that S3 has been around, customers have been connecting to a bucket in a region, uh, and a new multi-region access point gives you a new global endpoint that lets you talk to multiple buckets in multiple AWS regions, again, all through one single global endpoint. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> uh, so can you tell me how that works exactly? So, you know, in, in the past, if I had a bucket in a region, I might have to, you know, change my SDK to be in that region to request to that bucket. Uh, so how does that work behind the scenes? And then how does that work for me as a developer calling S3 from an SDK or the CLI or anywhere else? Yeah, you really kind of hit the, the nail on the head there about having to change your SDK to a specific region. That's not the case anymore. So you can think of multi-region access points as really a routing feature. And what we're doing is we're taking a lot of existing AWS technologies and S3 technologies, putting them together to get multi-region access points. And so underneath, multi-region access points use things like cross-region replication to get your data around to all those regions we just mentioned. Uh, we're also using uh, private link for S3, so you can access your multi-region access point from within your VPC. Um, we're also using access points, which we launched a couple of years ago. And we're also leveraging the AWS Global Accelerator Network to allow you to do kind of optimized latency and congestion-based routing to the closest or best region for that request. So it, it's not really a brand new feature in that it is an amalgamation of pre-existing technologies that allow us to build this kind of multi-region architecture. And that allows you then to take your application and build a multi-region architecture over S3 on top. So when I create a bucket now, what happens exactly? Like, is my bucket just being replicated across all the regions? I think, as you mentioned, or what do I need to turn something on to take advantage of this? Like, what do I have to do as a customer? Sure. So it's actually really simple to get started with these multi-region access points. And like Ian said, it builds on kind of like a cake where you've got layers of a cake of existing features that we've already introduced for S3. This multi-region access point allows you to kind of build on top of those existing features. So you don't have to create new buckets. You don't have to create a special or a magic new global bucket or anything like that. You can use your existing buckets. You can use your existing replication rules, or we can automate those replication rules for you centrally through the multi-region access point console. So if you want to do bi-directional replication where you're syncing a couple of buckets, or you want to do multi-destination replication where you have a bucket that you want to replicate that content out to a bunch of different regions, you can actually 
kind of precisely control what data goes where, and you have the flexibility to choose to replicate everything, some things, or even nothing if you're really wanting to use this feature to have uh, two buckets that you're wanting to distribute the rights between from if you wanted to upload videos or media and you wanted to basically load balance that between a couple of different buckets and different regions if you're uploading a lot of video or media or something like that. Okay, so let's take like a specific example. I created a bucket in US West 1 a long time ago, a couple years ago. And I have an app that actually is using US East 1 and then I switch regions to request to that bucket. So what do I do now if I want to use multi-region access points and I want that bucket now replicated in US East 1 and everywhere else for ease of use in my application? Sure, that's where we set up a new multi-region access point on top of those two buckets that you wanted to, to access. And this new multi-region access point would allow you then to configure the replication on your own through the multi-region access point, or you can go directly to the buckets themselves and configure replication there. And you can have that replication go bi-directional so that you've got the same data in both buckets and we can even sync the metadata as well. So once you're done with that setup, you get this new global endpoint that really kind of represents like a bucket group of those two buckets that you just gave us in your example there. And now all of your clients can talk to a single global endpoint that really represents both buckets. And so does, does my client need to specify a region now or it Basically, it will just be automatic. Ian, can you talk about our, our new region? Yeah, absolutely. So your client does not need to specify a new region anymore. They now specify the multi-region access point or configure their SDK for that multi-region access point. And then based on where that client is, it will get routed to the closest or I guess best copy of that data. So you mentioned, I think you mentioned US West 2 and US East 1. If you have a client that's near US East 1, its request will get routed there. If you have a client that's um, further on the West Coast, it'll get routed to US West too. So your clients remain the same in that they point to the same thing. And underneath, then we decide what the best place or best region for that request to land is. And that's done using AWS Global Accelerator, which has an understanding of the network, what will get your request to the closest region fastest. The advantage of that new endpoint is in the middle of it, you'll actually see a new region. It's S3-global. And that region is essentially exactly how it sounds. It's a global region. So it acts like a wildcard. And that's really kind of the magic or the secret sauce of this new global endpoint is that S3-global region, which again, works exactly how Ian mentioned, where it, it no longer matters what region your buckets are in. We just find the lowest latency region. Okay, this is amazing. This is going to change a lot of my code, <laughs> like everywhere. Um, so I, I guess my question is, you know, besides my problems with, uh, you know, with this, what what other customer needs led to uh, to actually create these multi-region access points? I can't be the only one probably experiencing the problem of having to change regions, but I'm curious if there was something else or there was a ton of customer demand for this. Peter, I think, can speak to specific use cases, but honestly, the, the main idea is that if you have any reason whatsoever to have a multi-region architecture or have S3 presence in multiple regions that your clients need to use, and you are actually baking in code to manage that multi-region architecture into your application, you can get rid of it now. And you put a multi-region access point in there. That's the main selling point is that we now manage that for you. Uh, but Peter, Peter's spoken to multiple customers about this already. And so I think he can share some of the specifics. Sure. The, the advantage really is we have customers that have been 
putting hundreds of trillions of objects into S3 over the last 15 years. But again, they've had to talk to a bucket in a region to yeah. do that. And they have grown into very large multinational corporations and they have users all around the world. And so this has really come up more and more these days where customers want to have data closer to their end users and to the compute uh, to process that data. And they also have a need to operate more in an active-active type configuration where uh, I use the, the media example a while ago. If you're a company that's processing and transcoding videos and you want your users to be able to upload from all around the world, you want that to be a great experience. And so you want those uploads to be accelerated and you want those, those users not to have to worry about which bucket they're landing in. You just want it to work and you want it to work fast. And so this gives you that ability where you no longer have to tell your users or your customers to talk to a specific bucket in a specific region. That's really, like Ian said, that's the power of this is it takes a lot of that manual labor of, I want to talk to this bucket in this region. And then if that bucket no longer serves my purpose, now I have to reconfigure all of my clients to go talk to this other bucket in this other region. You don't have to worry about that anymore. I love it when AWS launches something that removes lines of code from my application. It's just so beautiful. I'm already envisioning the number of customers with PRs like, well, we don't need this anymore. We don't need to change regions. Um, this is a on, honestly an awesome, awesome launch. So I, I guess my question is, if you create the multi, first of all, how long does it take for me to create a multi-region access point? Because we, we touched on that a little bit briefly of how do I get started? And you know, you mentioned that if I have an existing bucket, I can go create a multi-region access point, but I guess how many steps are required for that? Um, and you know, how long does that take? And then is the data automatically replicated after I create the access point? Sure. So it's really simple to get started. Uh, you need to give us a name for your multi-region access point. That's step one. Step two is you have to tell us which buckets in which regions you want to put behind this multi-region access point. You get to put one bucket per region up to 17 regions, Nikki, uh, all behind a single multi-region access point. And a bucket can be a part of more than one multi-region access point. So there's no limitation there. And once those two things are in the, the setup, you basically at that point, are letting us take over and set up all of the infrastructure and all of the regions you told us about that you wanted to put behind this multi-region access point. So it typically takes just a few minutes. And at that point, once it's up and ready and we've provisioned all of the infrastructure, all of your endpoints and all of the regions that you wanted to, to use with this multi-region access point, uh, you then would go in and really do two extra steps. Uh, the first would be to set your policy on this new endpoint. And then the second one would be to configure the replication rules if you wanted to do that through the multi-region access point. You don't have to, uh, you can if you want. Uh, we'll help automate that for all of your buckets. Uh, if you had 17 buckets that you wanted to set up, this can be a really kind of a shortcut way of, of propagating all of those replication rules out to all of those bucket pairs. But there's no requirement that you do so. You can go to the buckets directly and configure replication there. And that's it, you're done. You can start using that endpoint. Wow. That takes like, what, a few clicks, it sounds like? A few clicks. A couple clicks, couple clicks and I can have a multi-region access point. Ian's uh, team did a great job on that. Amazing. Uh, I feel like I'm going to go do this right after this podcast because I have this problem in a few of my applications. Um, is there a cost for this? There is. So for this endpoint, you can still access your buckets directly. So if you still need to go to the buckets directly outside of this endpoint, you still can. But if you want to 
receive the benefits of this multi-region access point. There is a cost for the amount of data that you're routing through this endpoint. And then there can be an additional cost depending on the type of traffic that you're sending to the endpoint. So we do charge differently depending on the length of the, the haul of the data. And so that pricing will be based on if you're transversing continents, if it's intercontinent or intracontinent. And so those are the two price points for a multi-region access point that are in addition to your, your base S3 charges today for storage and replication and, and data transfer. Okay, but if I just access the bucket directly, then I'm not be technically being charged for the usage of the multi-region access point because it's basically on usage? That's right. There's no hourly billing or anything like that. It's just for the amount of data that you want us to route and accelerate over that new global endpoint. That's really nice. Okay, I'm definitely taking advantage of this today. A little bit later today, obviously. So I have another question. Um, I think you briefly touched on using this with private link. So can you uh, elaborate more on how I can use this if I have an application that's running in a VPC or even on-prem? Sure, Ian. Yeah. You want to take that one? Yeah. Absolutely. So similar to how you would set a private link for S3 today or a number of other AWS services, you can create a private link for your multi-region access points. And then you can use that to access multi-region access points from your VPC. Now you can kind of get a bit crazy with how you want to set this up, right? Obviously you can have your multi-region access point cover a bucket that's also in the same region as your VPC, or it could be in entirely other regions as well. And so you could think of using your multi-region access point to allow your clients or applications within one AWS region access data that's being uploaded or uploaded by other clients or for another workload in other regions. And that, that way you get the private access within your VPC, um, all the benefits of what a, a VPC endpoint or private link endpoint provides but you get to access that data from other AWS regions, which is super cool. You can also have it set up within the same region as your VPC. So you could imagine you have a bucket there and for all you know circumstances, you uh, I guess for most use cases, you would have your client in the VPC to accessing data from that bucket. But if you needed to go to the other region or if people were uploading data in another region and you wanted to basically copy or replicate it across to this region, you could do that too. So uh, that then extends to on-prem because PrivateLink obviously allows you to extend your VPC on-prem and access those AWS services on-prem. So you can now access data cross-continent or across you know, AWS region all from that same VPC that you're peered with from your on-prem environment. So it's, and then all privately because you're, you're going over either a DX or AWS VPN to get to your VPC. And then from your VPC, everything goes over the AWS backbone with multi-region access points. And so you're getting really performant S3 access, all private or all kept on AWS network at all times. And that we think is a really, really cool offering. And that's one of the main reasons we wanted to integrate and make sure this works with private link. Super powerful, honestly. Sorry, Bonus please. feature on that as well, Nikki, you don't need a VPC peering connection to set this up either. So Ian's team has configured it so that you don't have to set up that separate VPC peering connection any longer to use this uh, multi-region access point to transverse regions. Wow, that's even easier than you could possibly imagine. Love it. So, uh, you know, we, we touched a little bit on the replication of the data and how that works. And I think you guys mentioned that there were rules that you could set up. What is an example of replication rule that I can set up to replicate my data across buckets? And also, what is the latency involved of, you know, how long is it going to take after I push something to a bucket to actually replicate across those regions? 
Great question. So our replication rules are really flexible. They give you the ability to choose, do you want to replicate everything in the bucket? Or you can change the scope of the replication rule to say, I only want to really replicate the data in this folder, this prefix. Or maybe I only want to replicate uh, data that's tagged with this unique tag. And so the replication rules can be really fine-tuned and precisely configured to only replicate the data you want. And that's one of the things that makes this feature somewhat unique uh, out there in the market today. You don't have to replicate everything in the bucket. And then once you've got your scope configured, you get to choose a little bit about how you want to replicate that data. So after you configure the what, then it's the how. And the how can be, uh, how do you want to replicate that in terms of uh, encryption, in terms of storage class, in terms of uh, also the replication options. And that goes to your second question about the latency part. So one of the replication options that we love to talk about the most is replication time control. So most objects complete replication in seconds or minutes, but some customers want even a greater sense of control over the replication latency. And they yeah. want a, essentially a service level agreement from us. So replication time control is also unique in that it provides a written SLA that's publicly available that says we will replicate most of your objects in seconds or minutes, but we have a service level agreement that says 99.99%, so four nines of your objects will be completed within 15 minutes or less. And that's one of the options that we we recommend most here. And it's pretty unique. It's It's actually a really cool feature. Can I also, with that time control, you know, on the other side of things, delay replication? Like, let's say I don't need it immediately. Could I say that, you know, I want it replicated after an hour of it sitting in the bucket, or is it only just like as fast as possible? Okay. As fast as possible. So we've never missed that SLA yet, and we don't intend to. So that SLA is really important for us. So it goes as fast as you upload that new object into that bucket, we will replicate that as fast as we can. And then with that replication time control option, it's just a single checkbox, nothing fancy, nothing that you have to spend hours uh, configuring. It's one checkbox on the rule that says, I must have this data uh, completed within 15 minutes or less. And that's really the benefit of that replication time control. So you can't delay it. It's going to go as fast as it can until it's done. And then you can actually monitor the replication progress in terms of how much data is left to replicate in the rule and also how many objects are left to replicate in that rule before it's done. Are you monitoring that in CloudWatch or where are you monitoring that? Yes. So right underneath the replication time control option, there's an option to enable those metrics and those will show up in CloudWatch. Uh, also, they will show up in the multi-region access point console itself. Okay, cool. So I have the power of CloudWatch to also notify me when you know, I've reached eventual consistency across my buckets, basically. That's really cool. Really, really powerful. Obviously, probably nobody wants that, uh, like, you know, delay. I was just wondering if you could go the other way because out of curiosity, in case you didn't need it immediately for some reason. Um, super it goes cool. as fast as it can. As fast as possible. Transfer that data. I mean, that's normally, right? That is normally the case of I want my data and I want it now. And I actually, I wanted it yesterday. Um, so, so, yeah, that's, a, that's an amazing SLA that you guys have. And uh, I love that time control checkbox. Can I also, can I choose to replicate files with specific extensions? You cannot. So right now your two choices for the replication scope are at the prefix level or at the tag level. So not by extension, but if you put a tag on those objects for us and say, I only want to replicate 
the the objects with the tag of Nikki's favorite objects. You know, that's that's what that replication rule scope will entail. So we don't have uh, prefix level controls, but that is a pretty pretty common customer request. So that that will be something we'll be looking at. Cool. <laughs> I would ask that. Sorry. Well, tags will work. No, tags sorry. will work fine. Uh, you know, I, I could accomplish the same thing I could with tags. I just tag everything with a specific extension in my application if I wanted, you know, all JPEGs to be replicated and nothing else. Um, this is an amazing, extremely powerful feature that I'm super excited I got the chance to talk to you guys about. Is there anything else that you want to let customers know about multi-region access points or, um, you know, anything that we didn't hit? Yeah, even on on the replication itself, uh, once you're done configuring replication, we give you kind of a cool replication summary map that shows you all of your replication rules that you've configured. So if you're sending data to multiple regions and multi-destination based replication, you'll see that on the replication map. If it's bi-directional, if we're sending uh, those objects uh, to both buckets and the metadata and we're syncing them both ways, uh, that will show up on the map as well. So you get kind of a nice overview of, of where your data is going and the, the directionality yeah. of the replication. I can see the flight path right. of my data. That's right. <laughs> um, that's so you so know cool. where the data is. That is so cool. Like you could like watch your data fly across. That's that's really, really cool. I don't know. I'm just nerding out on that. I was like, I love that. I love that you also sent me a flight path image and have to share this on uh, social media afterwards. This is really, really cool that you guys show this. So wait, where can I see this exactly? Inside the access control point console? Yeah, it's in the multi-region access point uh, console. So on the replication tab in there, it will show you uh, your replication summary map, and it will also show you those metrics we talked about if you select that second option uh, in the, the replication options. So if you want to turn on the replication metrics, it's just the second checkbox in your, your replication rule options. You check that box, and, and now we start generating those metrics for you. And the bi-directional, if you want us to sync the data and the metadata, that's the, the bottom choice uh, on your replication options there. And really what that gives you then is kind of an active-active configuration. You can write to either bucket. We'll sync then the data and the metadata both ways between the buckets. And now when you put a multi-region access point in front of that, well, now you're going to get the, the fastest, lowest latency copy uh, out of that replicated data set. And so that's really the advantages for both reads. And then on the writes, we accelerate those like Ian talked about onto that AWS global network. So you can see up to a 60% performance improvement on your internet-based uploads and downloads to S3. So cool. So powerful. Also, the flight path is just, you know, I feel like that's just like the cherry on top. I can see my data. Right? Yeah, I think there's a little really extra that you guys it. added that I just love. It's excellent. Good job, Ian. <laughs> yeah, props to Ian if that was you. <laughs> yeah, and I guess the, the only thing I would say is I think the main thing that we're excited about, that the team is excited about, um, Peter, I know, is excited about, is just that, you know, we've been hearing a lot from customers about building architectures that allow you to traverse AWS regions, especially with S3, because S3 is such a regionally focused service. And this is kind of us breaking past that, being able to offer something that is allows you to bake that into your applications or bake that multi-region architecture directly into your applications and not worry about the configuration uh, or writing that code. And you can do it all through the console, all through the CLI, all through the SDK. Um, that's something we're very, very excited about and because we know that not only will customers 
do crazy things with this and build stuff we can't even imagine. But we're just going to keep getting feedback and improving it further and further and doing even greater things, improving that replication, improving the speed that you can get requests up to S3, um, improving the integration with other AWS services and so on. So we're, we're super excited about it. Honestly, really, really powerful feature, uh, especially with that extremely low latency for replication, like crazy good job, guys. Um, so is, is there anything else that you that you might want our customers to know? Or did we did we cover this amazing, amazing new feature from S3? I think that's pretty much it from my side. I mean, Peter described the the experience of getting set up with one. It is that easy. Please go into the console today, try it out, see what you think. You don't need to build any special buckets. You can take your existing buckets and start putting a multi-region access point directly on top of it. All you need to do is think of a name. Um, we all know that's the hardest part, but you know, but that's the entry point. Um, that is the hardest part. But yeah, part. That, that's pretty Maybe much it. It is. <laughs> So if our customers wanted to get into contact with you guys um, and give you feedback on this feature or things that they like to see, what is the best way to get in touch with you? Sure. Our, uh, I'm PT Ibbing at Amazon.com. Uh, we love customer feedback directly. Love to get those emails and let us know what you think. That's awesome. Um, Ian, I don't know if you wanted to share your Twitter handle or anything else. You, yeah, no, you can reach me um, similarly on uh, my uh, AWS email address, IAN mcg at amazon.com wow you guys are throwing out your email addresses okay well uh you guys know that you can always reach me on twitter i'd love to hear your feedback i've been receiving a lot of it lately i've been taking it into account uh you can find me on twitter at my twitter handle which is knee like your knee and a key 23 that's k-n-e-e-k-e-y 23 please reach out with any feedback that you guys have on the podcast or this feature or anything else related to AWS, always love to hear it. Peter and Ian, thank you so much for joining me today and discussing multi-region access points. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Keep on building. Thanks, Nikki. <laughs>